Welcome to a brand new episode of the All Hoops Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Inman, joined as always by producer to the stars and co-host Chris Brito. The second round of the NBA playoffs are in full swing, so Chris and I are going to discuss all four playoff games, plus the always important NBA draft lottery. Is this finally the year for our New York Knicks? That's on Tuesday. Before we get to all that, Chris, my friend, how are you? Hey, Stevie, you know, I've been enjoying the basketball playoffs. You know, I think uh, it's obviously had its fair share of good ones and bad ones. I'm really looking forward to the end of the Celtics Bucks series and Suns Mavericks. Um, but as you said, we'll get into all of that. I think the most important thing on our radar on our radar is the NBA draft lottery. Um, the Knicks, obviously the most important thing on our books. Um, they don't have great odds to get the number one pick. But let's just, for the sake of what we're doing today, who do you think the Knicks should go for if we get that top pick? I think the answer is Paolo Bencaro, and I think it's because he's the safest bet amongst these three or four guys to become a star. Uh, I'm a little worried about Chet's game here. It reminds me a lot of uh, a guy we had here for a long time in Kristaps Porzingis, where you know the upside is there. He can defend he can shoot but I'm worried about him as this lanky frame it seems like every time I watch a Gonzaga game he was on the ground and uh, I believe Jabari Smith is just too similar to Randall I don't see how he and Toppin could play I don't see how him and Randall could play so the answer is Paolo I think he's you know a guy who could become a really elite 20 point a game plus scorer I think he can shoot I think he's a guy who's going to develop a passing game at the NBA level. And that would be the guy that, you know, you put him with RJ Barrett, the two Dukes, you know, wings, and that's your, your two wings for the next decade. You know what? I'm kind of of the belief that Ivy might be the guy that I'd be targeting. I think the Knicks have been in need of a change of pace point guard. I mean, he's not a true point guard, but I, uh, he would be a lead guard who can really like, He'd, he'd be a, he'd probably be a small forward at the NBA level. He's 6'10". Um, no, no, no uh, Ivy. Forward. Ivy. Oh, Ivy. Yeah. You know, Paolo. Okay. No, no, I, I also like Paolo too. Um, I think obviously he also gets like Tatum comps as well. Um, I don't know. I mean, listen, any of these guys, if we get a topic, I'd be happy with, with the exception of Chet. Um, I think someone like Ivy could really like bring us back to the Stefan Marbury. No, okay. Those are, those are not, those are not glory days, but he'd be the type of point guard that we've needed um, on this team for like the last two decades, three decades, you know, and he's someone that I think that once he's in a Nick uniform, I think would really transform this offense, which is in clear need of someone who could, create opportunities for the rest of the players on the team after winning 37 games last year the knicks have the 11th best odds at getting the number one pick 9.4 percent chance of getting that top four and as chris said you know Jaden ivy would be an amazing lottery pick for the knicks this year he would solve their point guard issues that they've been having for the last i don't know two decades and so getting him with that let's say fourth pick 
We're not at, we're not asking for the number one pick. Give us the fourth pick. How about the fourth pick? Is that too much to ask? We've been trying to move up in a lottery since 1985. Chris and I weren't even thoughts back then. Let us move up just once, please. This could be the year and uh, really get the Knicks an impact guard who can go with, you know, what is becoming a pretty fun young core. Yeah, and you know what? I think that moving forward, as you said, like, I just want to see progress, especially when it, as it relates to our team. But who – let's just, like, play devil's advocate for me for a second. And it's probably too early to look at NBA prospects to begin with. But are there any names that you're looking at in terms of if we end up staying around that number 11, number 13, number 12 spot? Good question. Um, we're at 11 right now. I assume we're going to stay around that that time. A uh, guy both of us have watched pretty closely, Ojai Abaji from Kansas. He's, yes. uh, he's a senior. He's a guy who reminds me a lot of like maybe a little bit of a bigger Quentin, not bigger, but uh, a similar Quentin Grimes. I think he's a guy you can always use that three and D kind of guy. Uh, maybe a guy like AJ Griffin, uh, you know, he's, a you know, another wing, uh, a freshman from Duke. I don't think he's going to get to 11, but he might, he's a guy who shot the lights out this year, 44% from three. So is that a guy who was very up and down a little similar to, uh, another Nick Cam Reddish? Is that a guy you'd want to go take with the 11th pick? I probably would. And there's a bunch of different guys, you know, we've been linked a lot to Ty Ty Washington because he's a point guard from Kentucky. I think we're going to see a lot of talk about him to the Knicks. I'm not sure if he can play at this level as a starting point guard, but, you know, they're going to have plenty of options. And the hope right now, as it is always every year around this time, is let's see if we can move up in a draft. And then once we can't, we settle into the who can we get at 11. We could talk about that next show. So one last thing that could give our Knicks fan listeners some hope. Um, you know, as you know, the odds for us to get the top overall pick are like 1.5, right? Um, but back in 1993, um, Orlando, who won Shaquille O'Neal the year prior, won, jumped from 11 to number one. Penny and, Hardaway. And they got Penny Hardaway. And those are odds are at 1.5 as well. Knicks are at 2%. Even better. I'm yeah. Just I mean, we'll it's see. happened before. I it's mean, also- before. it'll happen again, maybe, maybe soon. Uh, one other guy I would say to keep an eye on uh, the 11th pick, I'm trying to hit a home run. I'm not really looking for the role player guy. We mentioned Obaji, but I'm really looking for that home run swing. And to me, that guy might be Nikola Jovic who is uh, probably going to go somewhere in the teens. He's a, a Serbian wing. Who's probably He's like 6'10". He's very gifted offensively. The question kind of is, how good can he be defensively? Is he a guy that Tom Thibodeau would play on the court? Um, but I would definitely be interested in that if you winded up staying with the 11th pick. I'm looking for a wing who could develop into a legit scorer because offense was a huge issue for the Knicks at times last year. And yes, that's not going to go away until they get a real point guard, but don't just take a point guard just because you need a point guard. If the, be if the best player on the, on the, you know, on the board is a small forward, a power forward, whatever, take them. I think when, when you're in a position like the Knicks, 
talent is always what you go, you you go for. I think the Knicks are in a p- particular position where they've they have employed that strategy in the past with Kevin Knox a few years ago in terms of best available. But I think the talent evaluators on the team have been better as of late. That's all. You can't really do any worse than that. Taking Kevin Knox over, you know, SGA and Bridges and all these really good players, but go on. See, that's like, that's what gives me hope at least. Like, even if we find someone at 14 to, it, that it ends up 11, being, a, 11. sorry, 11 ends up being a contributor for the team. Um, even Quentin Grimes, he was a contributor. Jericho Sims at some, I, well. I, I just think they need an impact guy. I mean, they do. another contributor, great, but you know, you have contributors. What you really need is that impact score to go next to a Barrett Randall. Ideally, it's a point guard, but the way this draft is setting up is probably not going to be a point guard unless you move up. But let's uh let's discuss besides the Knicks, what team really needs a lottery win the most? Who needs that impact player the most? Truthfully, I think the team like in the Orlando Magic just needs someone else to like sort of rejuvenate that franchise you know they got Suggs they got Cole Anthony a few years ago um Suggs obviously is not the same player that he was in college or at least making a similar impact um but I think Orlando probably needs it I mean as because you know Detroit has has Kate already you know OKC at least has SGA and Giddy what does Orlando have really yeah, I think that's a great point. Orlando is a good one. I mean, Cole Anthony, and I, I, we gave him credit, but at the same time, you're talking about a guy who shot 39% from the floor for the year, you know, and Jalen Suggs was worse. He shot 36% from the floor for the year. And so you can't make the case that those guys are building blocks for the next good Magic team shooting like that. Um, obviously, guys can get better. They're young point guards. You hope they get better, but this team really needs an impact Paolo Bancaro kind of player, you know, to go with these guys. And I just think, you know, they've been rebuilding for so long, but they just haven't hit on their picks. It's as simple as that. You know, Mo Bamba is, is still on this team. He was a six overall pick. That didn't work. So they're going to have to find somebody to build around. And I think this is a great year for that. My team would be the Oklahoma City Thunder. I like the idea of, you know, Three of you know three of these guys are probably power forwards at the next level in Paolo, Chet, and Jabari Smith. Those are all the you know potential number one picks. You put those with an SGA and a Giddy. I think that's a fun big three that one could start to make competitive noise, and two with a Thunder they have every draft pick in the world. You can go in a year from now and add a big time wing to go with those guys, a center, somebody with those, you can really go out and get basically any available star you want with those 30 for one of the 30 first round picks or something insane like that. So I like the idea of uh, one of these stars going to Oklahoma city. See, to me, like my only issue with that is that OKC isn't going to get like, they're not that interesting to me. Like what they're doing out there, it's like not that interesting. I don't know what Sam Presti's end game is. Like, wh- where do you see that plan in three years? Where do I you see, see it planning plan out the way years? I just described? They hit a lottery. They have SGA. They have Giddy. They have all the cap space and draft picks in the world. That's at what, what point? But at what point do you decide? Okay, like I want to build an, a team that can contend for the playoffs. When they find a guy who can impact winning, 
in the draft immediately. I don't know if that's this year. I don't know if that's next year. But when you find that guy who can say, okay. We're, but we're it, seem, it seems like a, a crapshoot strategy. Is if, it though? So far, this strategy has gotten them two building blocks in SGA and Giddy. They have a fairly good chance of getting a third one. They didn't draft SGA though. They 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 traded. They did they draft SGA. They did draft Ludor though, right? They draft they Ludor was undrafted. Okay. There so they got you know they have a what forty eight percent chance of getting in the top four this year. You're talking about adding a you got to hit the right guys. Obviously, this whole strategy only works if you draft the right players. Which you're talking about a guy who was drafted Kevin Durant. Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Abaka, Sabonis, you know, the list goes on and on of like really all-star caliber players that Sam Presti has drafted. Sam Sam Presti drafted Sabonis? I thought. Yeah. And then they sent him to Orlando for, for Victor Ah. Oladipo. And uh, to me, that's the way I would do it. You know, you're not going to get free agents to want to commit to Oklahoma city. You've seen all there superstars you know the guys we just mentioned plus paul george i don't want to be in oklahoma city so the only way to do it is through the draft and the well, way they're you know what that that strategy might work for a small market team where there's I, no thing it's going to work for them i don't i don't know if it's yeah. something you could do everywhere else but it's it's definitely what the way i would build that team up or down based on that market okay fair enough so I'm hoping it works out for them. I, I think it's going to work out for them sooner rather than later. And you're going to start to see other teams kind of following their model. And that's the way it always works. You know, if, if that strategy works, other teams are going to copycat. If it doesn't work, they're not. But we'll see. And obviously, so many teams can use that impact guy. One other team I would mention is Portland. You know, you have Damian Lillard, you have Simons. There's not really a lot else on that roster. They really could use an impact player. Uh, and I think Jabari or Chet or any of these guys really fits in well with that backcourt duo because, you know, those are guys that Lillard can help set up. So we'll have to wait and see on that. But moving forward, the NBA playoffs are still in effect, Chris, obviously. Second round. It's been some pretty interesting series. Which is the most interesting to you and why? So I really like the the Suns-Mavericks series going on right now. I think you have two of the younger superstars in the league in Devin Booker and Luka Doncic at, you know, headlining those, those ones. And it's clear that they don't like each other. And the other added layer of that is that the Suns could have drafted Luka to pair him up with Devin Booker. But now instead we have a potentially even better solution to that. Like now there's like a rivalry brewing they could be people, they could be two players that will consistently face each other during the playoffs in their careers. And so I think after whatever happens in this series, which I think the Suns will win, I'm sure Luca will have to look in himself and the team will have to look at itself in the mirror and be like, look, this is what happens when you get help. He doesn't have any help right now. Who's the second best player on that team? Jalen Brunson? I mean, Jalen is great, but if you're going to pay that man a lot of money, he needs to be showing up for the playoffs against the Suns too. He did a great job against Utah, but Utah has a turnstile turnstile defense um, with the exception of Rudy Gobert. Um, But I think to me, this is the start, the origin story of a Suns 
Mavericks rivalry that we'll, we'll be seeing for years to come in the playoffs. I hope you're right. I mean, that it's been a great series so far, right? And I'm watching the game and the Suns are up 49-46 at the half. You go to bed and then all of a sudden you wake up and it's Suns win by 30. What happened? I mean, it's hard for me to believe that the Mavericks can fight back from that. I understand they're going back home, but I just don't think there's enough talent on this roster. As you mentioned, Jalen Brunson is not a number two on a championship caliber team. Just not, it just isn't going to work. So I think the biggest series left is Boston, Milwaukee. I think the winner of this is going to the finals. You know, Giannis just looks unstoppable. And the question is, is it enough? You know, there's no Middleton. Drew Holiday has not been good. They don't really have a lot of other scoring options on this team. I don't love the way Bud coaches in the playoffs. We've seen that before, right? So is it the more well-rounded team who's going to win? Or is it the, 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 the team with the best player? And I, I'm really excited to see how that plays out. Who do you think wins game five? Uh, game five? I'm going to say Boston. I just think, you know, with them being home and, you know, so, Tatum and Brown look good. And if you're going to get contributions like that from Horford, I think they're going to win it. So just to note to our listeners that we're recording this on May 11th, Wednesday, before that game five win, a uh, game five game. <laughs> um, I don't know. To me, the Bucks. And the Bucks just present like just Giannis like is a force of nature. He reminds me like in the way that young LeBron was when he was like, you know, before the Heatles and before uh, the Lakers, like, and before the, the second stint with the Cavs, it's just like, he's the best player on the planet and there's no one that can stop it. You know, I think you can always count on <laughs> for people who bet. Right. I think, you know how betting against LeBron is always a mistake. I feel like betting against Giannis is not at that level. So, I'm- yeah, I mean, we got to a point like I would say it's like 2007 to like 2018, where the conference always goes through LeBron, right? Like if you beat LeBron, you're in the driver's seat to win a championship, which didn't happen very often. You know, he made the finals what was it, like ten straight years or something insane like that. Now the conference goes through Giannis. If you could beat Giannis, you have an excellent chance of winning an NBA championship. If you And if you can't, you tip your hat because he's as good as anybody right now. So I'm curious to see how this plays out. I don't think either of these, no, the Heat or the Sixers could beat either of these teams. So I really do believe we're looking at an Eastern Conference Finals right now. Dude, I don't get the whole Miami Heat thing. I'll be honest with you. I, I, I love the concept of Miami culture but I just don't see that team having enough offense to be either one of the, the Celtics or the Bucks in the next round. And they, this is a team that just beat Philly by 30. And we're still like, eh, I don't know. So what does that say I mean, about Philly? I mean, Philly is such a flawed team. They like, like they, for two games, they allowed a very injured Embiid and a washed up and a washed up, James Harden beat them. Washed up. Wow. Am I wrong? I don't know. I don't think he's washed up, but I, I don't think he's. Okay. Less effective anymore. James Harden. Yeah. Demi- let's, yeah. Diminished James like, Harden. I mean, we're going to get to later about what the Sixers should do with him in terms of giving him a max deal. But yeah. I'm glad you're teasing that. But just to end on the Sixers point real quick. 
and the you know, so the heat point, like I am not impressed with the heat at all. <laughs> I think it's interesting because if Lowry was fully healthy, I think this is a very different team, but he's not. But he's, he's not yeah, healthy. He's, not. he's already ruled out for game six. He didn't play game five. He's been banged up for a while now. He's 37. This might just be what it is. And what that is, is you need Jimmy Butler to carry you. And then you need a guy like Struce. You need Hero. You need Robinson. You need these kind of guys to shoot the lights out. And that's something they are very capable of doing. I just wouldn't bet on it. Well, you know what? You know who is an X factor for me? And I didn't really think about it till I saw last night's game and the game last Friday. Victor Oladipo, man. Good for him. Good for him, man. He he looked... He's obviously not the same player, but he's getting, he's like, he's an effective bench player. And I think he's going to get a nice contract this summer. Yeah. He's been a very steady contributor in the second half of the season for Miami. I think he had 15 in their last game. Like that's kind of what you can expect from him. And that's a pretty good ask for a guy making, you know, what the mid-level exception, you know, five to 10 million a year. Uh, It's a shame because, you know, he was offered a lot more than that, you know, know. both Houston and Indiana, but that's the way it goes. He's still very rich and he's going to keep making money in the NBA. So don't feel too bad for him, but I hope, uh, I hope he can continue to find some success. And I hope this Miami team can make a competitive series in the Eastern conference finals against whoever they play. Agreed. All right. Uh, Chris, these last series, golden state Memphis, obviously no John Morant, anything else to say about this? I don't think golden state has played very well and I don't think it really matters. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, I I did think that what Draymond said the other night was, oh, yesterday or whenever it was, he said that um, you know the Grizzlies need to become like a playoff team, like they're not the they're not the Timberwolves, and it's so true to an extent because I think the Grizzlies played really well the regular season. I think they were sort of like shook up a little bit by the T Wolves, who also weren't part of the playoffs for a very long time. Um, well, I'm, well, the Grizzlies were in the playoffs last year, but you know what I'm saying? Um, there's just like this young team, I think needs some better leadership to be added over the summer. I think that would be like something that they need to add. I think their usefulness has been on display both against the Timberwolves and the Warriors. So, but you know what? It's, I, by all intents and purposes, we went from, oh, yeah, this Memphis team could be a, a, a lower seed top A team to them being one of the best teams in the West. They made it to the second round of the playoffs. This season is a win for them. Absolutely. I'm with you there. Uh, would like to see John Moran in a couple more games, Dang. but it is what it is. And, you know, maybe they'll do one of those three for one consolidation trades to go get themselves a star vet to pair with John Morant and Jaron Jackson. Uh, But yeah, let's get to our final thoughts right after this. All right, Chris, final thoughts time here. Jeannie Buss finally came out of silence and basically said just about every front office high-ranking guy for the Lakers has a say right now. You know, Rob Palenka is the GM. Kurt Rambis has been in this front office doing something in a high-ranking role for a while now. Phil Jackson apparently is a consultant. Magic Johnson, after ditching the team in a, in a full-time role, is, is back and is, you know, called Palenka a backstabber, but now they're working together and we're not sure what that relationship is. Oh, and by the way, you have LeBron James and Clutch. So that's five different powerful entities all in one Laker front office. And you can make the case that none of them 
have had success in a front office role before. Yeah. I think Jeannie is setting up herself to fail, but what do I know about running a, a team business? So here's what I would do if I'm the Lakers. I think you can have those guys be consultants, whatever exec, whatever managerial role they present and they are in the in in the company. But they need to hire Jerry West back. I don't know. I'm kidding. Um, it's a really untenable situation there because you're getting LeBron at his end at his final years. He obviously has championship aspirations, but I don't know how you fix this team. I don't. I think. I think the Lakers leadership think that they're better than what they are and people are, are what people really are. They're just, they're laughing at this friend, this beloved franchise who's having a really bad year. But I will say the one thing I will give credit to, not necessarily credit, but like the Lakers did have a, a, a season where Anthony Davis was injured. So if he's healthy and LeBron is healthy, I think you add a lot of wins to what they have right now. And if you subtract, and if you, and if you subtract Russell Westbrook somehow, I think you do it. I mean, sure. I, think, I think this team could be better than what they were this year. Amy Davis though is always hurt. LeBron James has been, has missed chunks of the last basically every year in LA. This is what year four in LA. He's missed a chunk of every one of those years. I don't think going into year, what is it, 20 for LeBron, 1920 for LeBron, you can ask him to be healthier. And Anthony Davis is now getting towards age 30. I don't know if you can ask him to be healthier. And, you know, for Jeannie Buss to kind of come out here and say, well, the next coach can probably figure out how to use Russell Westbrook in this offense tells you two things. One, they're delusional. And two, that they can't trade Russell Westbrook. And if they can't trade Russell Westbrook, I don't see how this team is going to look much different next year. And if you know, you got a, a guy making 40, I don't care what team it is in the NBA, who they have on their team. If you have Russell Westbrook in a major role at 34 years old, making $47 million a year, you're not winning anything. So I, I don't really see, maybe this team squeaks into the playoffs. Maybe they don't, but I think next year is more going to be about let's celebrate LeBron in his year where he's going to get the score, the all-time scoring points total over Kareem. And then maybe he goes somewhere else. Maybe he goes back to Cleveland. Maybe he goes to Miami. Maybe he um, he goes somewhere where they're going to promise him a, a high-ranking front office role. But he's you know only under contract for a year, so I don't I don't know if this is going to last much longer because I don't really see a way out for the Lakers. Yeah, I think clearly genius posturing <laughs> with all the things that you're just saying. Um, and to an extent, you're right when you're saying that, like, you can't expect LeBron and Anthony Davis to be healthy for all 82 games plus the playoffs. LeBron played 56 this year. I think that's a reasonable expectation going forward. Yeah, yeah. He should be getting the Kyle Lowry treatment, but, you know, here we are. Um, yeah, I mean, the Lakers, the Lakers clearly need to look at, look at themselves in the mirror. I think moving forward, you try to – Here's what the Lakers should do. They should trade for Julius Randle. That's what they should do. I mean, Davis has played in 65 games zero times in the last four years. 
He'll be 30 next year. I think this is, is what it is, yeah. you know, and should they be better than they were? Yes. They should be better than they were. This is Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and a bunch of parts that don't fit should be a playoff team for sure. Even if they're not playing every game, but I don't see how they become better than what they were two years ago, which is a feisty first round team that probably loses in five or six games. And that's not really acceptable in LeBron James land. And that's why I do believe at some, he might leave for another team at the end of uh, his Laker contract at the end of next year. Where should he go? Obviously he should go to the Knicks, but we will, uh, we will discuss that another time. They, the Lakers should just give Sam Presti a blank check and say, we're going to, you can decide who you want to keep, who you want to get rid of, but they're not going to do that. But also Sam Presti would not work in LA. Why not? Because you can't, a Boston guy. You, can't, you can't employ the same OKC strategy to the Lakers. Lakers are always in win-now mode, always. They, they can't. I know they can't, but like, that's just the reality of what they are. They are a premier franchise that are built. It, it reminds me a lot of, uh, in, in baseball, Andrew Friedman was the Sam Presti of baseball. He turned these Tampa Bay teams that were like, we're not spending any money. They would find talent every year. And they'd win their 90 plus games. They'd make a playoff run. And they did that for a decade. And it was the most impressive thing I've ever seen in baseball. More impressive than the A's with Moneyball. This was the real Moneyball. They were actually going to World Series. And then the Dodgers come up, come along and they have all their money. And they said, here's a blank check. Come run our team. And he goes, okay. And he did. And they've won, they've won the division now, what, nine years in a row, coming off a World Series championship, where you combine the talent, the scouting, along with the money, you're unbeatable. And that's where the Dodgers are now. And I don't see why the Lakers couldn't do that with Sam Presti. If they're willing to get out of their own way, fire all the, the family members and all the people who are in, you know, the Phil Jacksons and the Magics and all these people who are in there, but they're not going to do that. Yes. I, on one level, I agree that it should be someone who has a basketball and like executive mind that should be running the team. My only issue is with like with Sam Presti's body of work. I don't know, like he's built contenders before. We he's just built, he has he has he has, but you need patience for that. And do the Lakers strike you as a team that will wait? They could barely wait when uh, they had D'Angelo Russell, um, D'Angelo Russell, Randall Clark, Clarkson, yeah. Those guys. And that was like a fine on the little team also, but yes. But I also think, you know, you'll have a lot more patience when you're not a LeBron team. No LeBron team's ever had patience. And I think this LeBron, whether he signs for a couple more years or not, the LeBron era is nearing its end. So we'll have to wait and see on that. Another guy who seems like he's nearing his end, James Harden, who has had a great game for and has looked more or less like a role player in the rest of these uh, these games here in this in this second round. Should he get a max deal in Philly? And if not, what the heck should Philly do? Well, should is a very strong word, I think, in this context. He should not get a max deal. But will he? He will. You think he will? He will. It's, I mean, uh, it's, it's a concern because you could already, like, this is a very Nick thing to do, where it's like, you could already see the tires kind of, 
you know, falling off the wheel and you're talking about a four or five year deal at max money for a guy who has had trouble being in shape in his prime. How is that going to look when he gets into his mid to late thirties? I mean, so, you can see the, the results of that right now. I, I would be very scared to do that. And I understand if they don't, they one look dumb for trading two first round picks and Ben Simmons for Harden, but two wrongs shouldn't make a right. You shouldn't just do it just because you already made the trade. I would do everything. Right. I think it's, I think in that scenario, pride is talking. And I think it's just the wrong, I think it's just the wrong decision to make. I would almost rather get Zach Levine and just like bite the bullet. Yeah. I was going to say, I would do everything in my power to sneakily go and try to recruit Bradley Beal or Zach Levine and say, you could be a running mate with Embiid. You're going to have some help, but also we're going to need you to carry the load on times. And look, if, if that works, amazing. And if not, then you consider bringing Harden back on a giant deal. But the key is doing it to a point where Harden does not feel like he's your plan B or C, because if not, that's a recipe for disaster. God forbid. God forbid, right? Last thing. Uh, Brian Windhorst on his show brought up Zach Levine to Portland rumor. He's a free agent at the end of the year, and everyone right now is assuming he is not going back to Chicago. He's a Seattle guy, so the closest place would be Portland. Do you like the fit of Dame and Levine together? I like it because Dame gets help. Dame gets someone who can carry the scoring load. Um but I don't know if Zach Levine is the fit. But also, like, what player would be the one would be the appropriate one next to Dame anyway? You know, that's a good point. Uh, I don't see how Levine with with Dame is really any different than Dame with CJ. I don't get it. Well, I, I think Zach Levine might. <sighs> They're very similar Zach players. Le- they're not though, because I think CJ is more like a he's a guard, but he he leans a little bit more of like as someone who can create for others. Whereas yeah. Zach Levine, it leans more toward a scorer and more of a guy who's like a secondary playmaker, you know? I, I just don't see it. I mean, they're both guys who don't play a lot of defense. You okay, know, yeah, but you know, you they're know, how how does that play out with Simons too? You had a great year out of Simons, you have to extend him. You're talking about Dame, Simons, and Levine, all of which are like undersized guards for their position who all need the ball and all don't play any defense. Honestly, so I'm not really I sure how that makes them better than what they've been in the last few years. Dude, honestly, I think Portland should get on the phone with, with Philly and get Dame. To Philly, I don't know how what trade pieces they would have to trade, but that's something I would really consider. I I think there's a better chance that Philly, I mean, sorry, that Portland winds up doing the Levine thing and saying, "There you go, Dame, we got you your running mate," and just tries to run it back for three or four years, as Dame basically plays the majority of his prime in Portland. I think I don't think Dame is going anywhere. I just don't see it, and I'm curious to see how it plays out because like. A lot of teams could use Zach Levine, and he's a guy who I'm not sure is really going to make too many guys' teams better. I'm not sure if he's that kind of guy. We'll see. We'll see. I can't wait for free agency, my friend. It's going to be a lot of fun. But first, the draft lottery, that is going to do it for us. Oh, wait, wait. One, one last thing. One last thing. What about Zach 
in Dallas. I don't, I don't see how he's going to play with Luca. Um, I think it's an upgrade over Brunson. So if you want to do that, that's fine. But I don't really, I don't really know if that's a contending team either. Okay. But and then, I think that's a better idea than Portland. Okay. The last thing I want to bring up: What do you think of winning time? I thought winning time was very good. Uh, obviously, you know those eras of, of basketball 1980 and you know around then was a little before our time so we're kind of like we know these stories but we don't know them well and so it's it's been very fascinating i i've been trying to figure out what's real and what's not obviously they're they're fabricating some things but overall it's been very good you know it, they're a, a group that's easy to root for after you know 10 episodes right and i'm excited to see how they uh continue this story second season I got to say, I love the Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson, the Magic Johnson actor. I really like the Jerry West one, too, even though obviously you made him fit into a caricature. But yeah, I'm a bit, I was I really enjoyed the series. I, I don't really understand why the NBA was so felt the, felt the way they did about that series. But I will see if there's a season two. But there I'm is excited. a season two. It's already been. Renewed. There is. Oh, yeah. even better. Yeah. Fantastic. Cool. Fantastic. So that is going to do it for us here on All Hoops. Chris, my friend, thank you so much. We'll be back next week to discuss the conference final matchups and who won the NBA lottery. Bye, everyone.